Hello and welcome to this incredibly special episode where we take a deep dive into the state of Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh. For today's conversation, I was joined by Ms. Anush Ghavalyan. Ms. Ghavalyan has served as the former advisor to the President of the National Assembly of the Republic of Artsakh. She currently works as a political analyst living in Artsakh and I was lucky enough to speak with her at length about the state of her country and the effects of the recent conflict. I was rather surprised to learn that Artsakh is governed as though it were a de facto state. It was also the first time that I heard of a legal loophole that Azerbaijan has used to deny Artsakh the right to secede or the right to self-determination post the collapse of the Soviet Union. We discussed the horrors of the conflict on ground, the plight of internally displaced peoples, and the massive rebuilding effort that lies ahead for the government of Artsakh. Among other things, we also talk about the role of the international community in the Nagorno-Karabakh question, and why the citizens of Artsakh currently have a very favourable view of Russia. During our call, the connection dropped a fair few times, and Ms. Ghavalyan kept apologising about the poor internet connection, which was the result of the multiple bombings that services in Artsakh have faced. This is just a small indication of the sheer extent of the losses experienced within the region. As always, please do tell your friends and family about the show. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Here's my conversation with Ms. Ghavalyan on the story behind Nagorno-Karabakh. Hello and welcome to this episode of Mathafile, where I have the pleasure of being joined by Ms. Anush Kavalyan. Thank you so much and welcome to the show, ma'am. Thank you so much. I want to start with the history of Artsakh. As I understand it, forever, so for millennia now, Artsakh has been occupied by people of Armenian descent. When did Artsakh become territory of Azerbaijan and why was it placed under the national rule of Azerbaijan? So the conflict is um, dated back to the uh, 20th century. It's a, a century-old conflict. Back to the collapse of the Russian Empire in 1918, when the Russian Empire collapsed, uh, three nation states appeared on the, um, in the region, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and uh, Georgia. So during this period of time, uh, Azerbaijan uh, proclaimed it in, its independence and also, it presented territorial claims uh, to its neighbor Armenia over Nagorno-Karabakh or Nahijavan and other regions. Uh, Artsakh, during uh, the, this period of time, it was a um, uh, part of the Russian Empire, but when the Russian Empire collapsed, it uh, became just a sovereign territory and it uh, didn't belong to Azerbaijan. It, it was mostly populated by Armenians, and Armenians uh, here had a, a kind of autonomy, and uh, Nagorno-Karabakh uh, has been never part of Azerbaijan during that time and also uh, in the future. So uh, when uh, Azerbaijan 
and proclaimed its independence and has created a statehood, 1918 and 1920. It uh, presented territorial claims and over Nagorno-Karabakh, over Artsakh, and uh, even uh, when we uh, when we uh, observe the documents uh, of that time, we see that even uh, the League of Nations that uh, was dealing with these uh, issues in, uh, in the 90s. It uh, declined Azerbaijan's appeal uh, to League of Nations, its uh, membership, uh, because it has uh, it had uh, no clear boundaries, and uh, also for its territorial disputes uh, with uh, neighbor countries. So uh, when we also observe the documents and uh, t- uh, take into consideration the, the, the documents uh, presenting those times, we see that uh, Artsakh, uh, the population of Artsakh, never, uh, uh, never accepted the authority of Azerbaijani Republic. So we have a reality that either uh, at a local level, national level, or uh, international level, Azerbaijani's uh, claims over Artsakh uh, didn't uh, get uh, get acceptance, uh, neither by locals uh, nor by uh, international community. Okay, that makes sense. But then, after the USSR collapsed in the 1990s, why did Azerbaijan try reclaiming Artsakh, and then what did the conflict become? Uh, so during these uh, all Soviet um, years and uh, 70 years, Artsakh um, was in uh, boundaries of Azerbaijan, but was a part of the Soviet Union. When uh, in 1991 the Soviet Union dissolved, uh, there was a, a law that allowed uh, autonomous regions uh, to uh, to decide their own destiny in case the uh, republics, the, the Soviet Republic, is. Uh, leaving uh, the Soviet Union. So uh, Artsakh uh, in that time was an autonomous oblast uh, under Soviet Azerbaijan. So when in 1991 uh, Azerbaijan uh, left the Soviet Union, it uh, gave a a legal ground, Artsakh, uh, then uh, autonomous oblast, to decide its own future and declare independence. And Artsakh declared independence in uh, 1991, in September, and uh, as the, the other so- Soviet republics did in 1991. So when uh, Artsakh declared independence, it had also uh, did um, in compliance with the, uh, international law and fully in uh, full compliance with then Soviet legislation. It uh, kept all the procedures that are required to uh, to establish and to form a state, to form an independent state. During these uh, three decades, our people, uh, our country developed democracy and uh, formed all the institutions, uh, fully meets all the requirements of the Montevideo Convention of the, on the statehood. As I understand it, there was a referendum in the 1990s that um, Artsakh took to either maintain independence or to join Armenia, and Azerbaijan never recognized the autonomy of Artsakh. How did that affect Artsakh's foreign relations within the area, within the region itself? So uh, uh, back in 1918, when the liberation uh, movement started, uh, during the Soviet time. Uh, they were last years of the Soviet rule. In 1988, uh, Artsakh was uh, was struggling for re- re- reunification with Armenia. 
and uh, the Artsakh representatives, elected representatives, they appealed to the uh, Baku, Yerevan, and Moscow to solve this issue peacefully and uh, withdraw uh, autonomous oblasts from the Soviet Azerbaijan and uh, 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 and adjust it to the uh, Soviet Armenian boundaries. Uh, and in response of this peaceful initiative, Azerbaijan has started mass pogroms and massacres in Armenian, uh, Armenian populated uh, cities and settlements in Azerbaijan, in Sungait, Kirovabad, and other places that Armenians were, uh, li uh, were living in uh, conflict. And they, um, uh, Azerbaijani authorities try to suspend this liberation movement and show like what will happen to population of the Nagorno-Karabakh, Artsakh, if uh, these people uh, were raising their voice for uh, self-determination and for reunification with Armenia. So when Artsakh proclaimed its independence in 1991, Azerbaijan started a war, uh, armed hostilities uh, against the people of Artsakh, whom, by the way, it considered as its citizens. But they, it uh, didn't uh, stop them to, uh, to uh, start to launch a large-scale mili uh, military offensive against the people of Artsakh. And this war, uh, these uh, armed hostilities continued until 1994, when uh, the ceasefire were, were reached between um, uh, the conflicting sides, and including Artsakh. Artsakh uh, uh, was a party to this ceasefire agreement. And um, what, make, uh, what makes uh, important in this, in this ceasefire document and uh, in this conflict is that uh, when uh, Azerbaijan asked for a ceasefire in uh, in 90s, uh, it was uh, uh, it was ready and it accepted uh, that Artsakh is a party to the conflict and uh, the uh, signature of Artsakh representatives stands uh, this document. But then later, Bakuru every time used every opportunity to uh, to refuse and to deny Artsakh as a party to the conflict. So as I understand it, then Azerbaijan and Baku thought that Artsakh was part of Azerbaijan. But didn't Armenia also consider Artsakh a part of Armenia and Yerevan thought that they had control over Artsakh? How did that change the relationship between Artsakh and Armenia? Artsakh uh, was a part of the Soviet Union in the boundaries of uh, Soviet Azerbaijan. Artsakh uh, has never been part of independent Azerbaijan. And when uh, Azerbaijan uh, left the uh, Soviet Union, it uh, declared that it refuses Soviet uh, heritage, legal heritage, and restores the Azerbaijani statehood uh, existed in 1918, 1920, uh, where uh, Artsakh uh, wasn't part of this country. So uh, it refused to be a legal successor of Soviet Azerbaijan. And it, uh, it, uh, uh, in this way, Azerbaijan refused its, its legal connection with Artsakh because uh, Artsakh was handed over to Soviet Azerbaijan, not to Azerbaijan. On the one hand, Azerbaijan refuses Soviet uh, legal cessation. And on the other hand, it wants a Soviet political map and uh, Artsakh, that includes Artsakh. So the uh, confusion is this. 
Azerbaijani authorities and their diplomatic courts use this confusion, uh, confusion that uh, uh, the international community is not fully aware of these uh, uh, details and they, uh, they uh, uh, mislead the international community that Artsakh is a part of Azerbaijan, but it has never been part of Azerbaijan. It just falls in the frames and in the boundaries of Soviet Azerbaijan. This makes sense now because even I was really confused about this and I've never heard about this either. So this makes a lot of sense when you spell it out like that. After 1994 though, so after the ceasefire, you mentioned that Baku still thought Artsakh was still part of Azerbaijan. But you also mentioned that Artsakh developed independently. Can you tell us how Artsakh managed to develop as a sovereign nation state and then build up institutions for democracy? During these all years, we had no uh, no connection with Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not recognized on the international level, but either uh, we um, Azerbaijani uh, we uh, don't elect Azerbaijani uh, president, we don't elect their parliament. We have uh, no absolute no relationship with Azerbaijan except border incidents and uh, shootings, shellings, and etc. Azerbaijan considers Artsakh, uh, the, not Artsakh, but the territory of Artsakh, because uh, if uh, they think that we are their citizens, they didn't, uh, didn't uh, launch a war against us, they didn't kill us, and so on. Uh, if Azerbaijan considers Artsakh its territory, uh, they only uh, they present uh, to the international community like uh, the territory of Artsakh belongs to Azerbaijan and Artsakh is Azerbaijan, but they uh, don't tell people, the foreigners and the audience that uh, they have no influence on the process, uh, processes going on in Artsakh. They have uh, absolutely no influence here. Uh, they just uh, just uh, present like uh, it's a part of Azerbaijan. But uh, we, uh, almost in three decades, we developed uh, democracy by uh, our own and with the help of, of course, uh, with the help of Armenia. Armenia was, uh, uh, and I hope is, still our security guarantor. And uh, all, uh, all infrastructure and um, language, the uh, financial system, educational system, the uh, religion, and so on. We are the same nation as Armenia. We are part of Armenia. We are Armenia. Artsakh is Armenia. But, uh, uh, but during these years, we had all uh, we have all uh, institutions uh, that are required to uh, function as a state and function as a sustainable and viable state. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to come back to the relationship between Armenia and Artsakh, because you said that Artsakh is Armenia. And I agree, because most of the population is ethnic Armenian. And you said that you have the same language and the same education system, etc. How did Armenian influence in Artsakh grow over the past 20 years? Have they been providing you just security forces? Or has the relationship, relationship been more? Has there been more trade between the region? Or just have you had a greater role in um, Armenia's parliamentary procedures and have they had a greater role in your parliamentary procedures? So no, we elect our own president, we elect our parliament and we, uh, we have a constitution and we are, uh, we are a sovereign country 
we have all attributes uh, except international recognition. So we are a uh, functioning de facto state. And we don't uh, either elect uh, parliament of Armenia or uh, take part in uh, elections forming government of Armenia. Uh, what, uh, what is the influence of Armenia over Nagorno-Karabakh? Until the uh, November ceasefire, Armenia, um, Armenia uh, was the main security guarantor of, uh, of uh, our people, of Artsakh. Uh, so uh, things have been uh, changed after November 9 because uh, Russian peacekeepers appeared in this region for the first time in the history of the conflict. Uh, so Armenia, uh, Armenia is our, um, when you are surrounded and you are in an enclave, uh, Armenia is the main door and the main window to the, uh, to the world. So uh, we are only uh, um, linked with Armenia and now it, uh, the situation is the same. Uh, uh, Armenia is uh, uh, like our doors to the uh, to the uh, uh, for uh, to the world, and Armenia also uh, uh, help uh, help us a lot uh, to function as a state. And uh, uh, among Armenia, um, among other things, Armenia, uh, for example, Armenian Parliament shares its uh, uh, experience with all Parliament, as we don't cooperate on the state level with other. Uh, with other states, uh, uh, even if we have a relationship with other uh, uh, other countries, and we have representative uh, re uh, representations in uh, more than six seven uh, countries around the world, but still uh, through Armenia we get all the necessary uh, things for the uh, for the capacity building for the uh, and uh, in general uh, for the country in general. I want to come back to the current conflict that ended with the 9th November ceasefire, which you've mentioned already. As I understand it, Azeri forces uh, moved into Stepanikat sometime in September or October, and they launched a violent offensive against the people of Artsakh and Armenian troops. What was the effect of this uh, violent movement by Azeri forces on the people of Artsakh and the people, uh, and the people of Nagorno-Karabakh? So uh, when uh, conflict erupted in 90s and there were uh, armed hostilities, uh, an international mediation format was formed uh, called OYC Minsk Group Co-Chairmanship. This uh, chairmanship um, is composed of the uh, uh, representatives of uh, Russian Federation, France, and the uh, United States. And these three, uh, three co-chairs, they started a peaceful uh, process, negotiation process, uh, to settle uh, this conflict. Uh, but, and during these all years, um, uh, negotiations were going on under the all spaces of this uh, mediation group. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, also during all these years, Azerbaijan didn't rule out uh, the military way of solving, uh, solving the conflict. And in parallel with the um, uh, peace process, it always uh, tried to solve uh, the conflict uh, via military. 
it started uh, also a war, a large-scale war in uh, April of 2016, uh, four years ago before this uh, this war, and it, it, uh, it was um, it uh, it went down to history as a four-day war, mm -hmm. and in uh, during this April war, the uh, ceasefire was reached uh, through the Russian mediation, mediation, uh, but. Um, even after this war, they uh, continued to negotiate under the auspices of the Minsk group. But then came uh, the September and they were prepared for this war, for launching this war. And uh, this 44-day war showed that Azerbaijan, uh, Azerbaijan not only didn't uh, exclude solving conflict military, but it, uh, it, uh, it was ready to kill 150,000 population in order to free this land from Armenians and to take these territories. That sounds awful and I'm really sorry that the people on Artsakh and on ground in Nagorno-Karabakh had to experience this. What have the damages in Nagorno-Karabakh looked like right now and how is the government working to recovering the losses? So uh, this uh, war was, uh, was unprecedented once since 90s. And Azerbaijan not only uh, shelled and bombed uh, the military positions along the uh, borderline or only borderline uh, boundary villages and settlements, but also the capital, Stepanakert, was under constant uh, fire or dur uh, during night and day. Uh, so it fully damaged our infrastructure, civilian um, uh, civilian uh, infrastructure was uh, fully damaged. Uh, electricity, we lost electricity, uh, mobile internet, uh, mobile connection of gas, and uh, etc. All this uh, civilian infrastructure was damaged, and uh, people uh, they um, um, as a result of constant shelling of peaceful uh, peaceful settlements, people uh, uh, living. In this area, uh, in these settlements, they were forced to leave their homes and uh, to flee and uh, seek safer places in Armenia. And uh, about uh, about nine, uh, ninety thousand uh, people, uh, they uh, were forced to leave their houses. They became um, IDPs and. Uh, uh, as a result of them, uh, as a result of the armed hostilities, and uh, of course, uh, as a result of the uh, November 9 ceasefire, because uh, except uh, the territories that we lost during the war, uh, uh, the leadership of Armenia was um, forced uh, to uh, to hunt uh, over some of uh, the regions of Artsakh, uh, Artsakh to Azerbaijan. And this uh, this region weren't conquered by Azerbaijani military uh, force, but they were handed uh, to Azerbaijan uh, peacefully. And as a result of this, as I understand it, people in Yerevan are pretty angry and want Nikol Pashinyan to step down now because they are quite upset with how Mr. Pashinyan actually dealt with the Artsakh question at the end of this war. What has the response been from the government of the Republic of Artsakh do these calls for Mr. Pashinyan to actually step down? Do they want a new government in Armenia to keep supporting them? Or are they happy with the way Mr. Nikol Pashinyan dealt with the situation? 
Well, there is a post-war period uh, now, and uh, the government is mainly uh, mainly trying to deal with the uh, everyday needs uh, of the people, and mostly uh, people uh, became uh, became IDP and of the lost territories. Uh, we lost three fourths of Artsakh. And uh, this makes a sense uh, that um, we have uh, we have right now many many uh, problems that uh, our people face within, and uh, and our president declared that it, uh, he will um, step uh, up from his uh, position, and we, uh, extra snap elections will be uh, will be held after when uh, the country will be ready to hold elections and he will not participate in these elections and he will not run uh, for his position. And just uh, uh, in this period of time, he wants to stabilize the situation in the country and then uh, step down from his position. Uh, what comes to Armenia, uh, you know, even uh, even we are all Armenians living in Artsakh and in Armenia, but in uh, domestic politics and in uh, political issues, uh, we keep uh, not distance, but we don't intervene uh, each other's uh, political uh, processes. Uh, so uh, it's up to uh, uh, Armenians living in uh, in the Republic of Armenia to decide the fate of their prime minister and their parliament. And we uh, need a uh, we both um, uh, government and people are uh, cannot uh, intervene in the in these processes taking place in Armenia. So you mentioned that this is the post-war period, and I'm really happy to know that the government is doing all it can to help Artsakh actually recover from the war itself. How has the presence of Russian peacekeepers in the region felt like? Is it different? Do you feel more secure? Do you think there is more stability now that Russia actually has troops in the region? Uh, it will be naive to say that we are dreaming of Russian presence here. Because every country and every nation wants to keep its security on its own. So if you are a sovereign state, you should keep your security and your uh, security of your uh, country, of your people, of your borders by your own. So, but uh, we had no alternative to invite Russian peacekeepers uh, to, uh, to provide a security for our people. Uh, uh, like uh, during the war, we were uh, we were expecting that expected that um, the Western countries, uh, Muslim uh, France and USA, that are involved in this conflict as a co-chairs and peace mediator, they uh, they are countries that were uh, created in the examples of uh, uh, freedom, human rights, and this uh, Western set of values. They will understand our uh, strives and our struggle for uh, for deciding our own future by our own. So, but what we get, uh, what we got from the West, uh, were just empty statements and concerns that uh, that we can that uh, weren't able to protect us from other uh, bombs and drones. But Russia, unlike uh, the West and the Western countries, acts rather than speaks. 
So when on the one hand you have Western empty statements, and on the other hand you have Russian peacekeepers, real soldiers with their tanks. So there is no room left for thinking long and inviting them to the region. So Russian peacekeepers now are here, and they provide security and. Uh, frankly, uh, our people are grateful uh, to them since we feel more, uh, more secure and we can uh, freely and uh, safely uh, travel to Armenia to leave Artsakh and Kemba uh, since uh, Russian peacekeepers are um, providing the security in this corridor and also in the uh, several positions that uh, that are uh, at any time Azerbaijan can uh, resump the hostilities, armed hostilities, and can attack. So Russian presence makes uh, uh, resumption of war uh, ha- uh, unlikely. That's good to hear. Um, do you think that this war and the situation that exists on ground now will increase the pressure on the international community to recognize the independence and sovereignty of Artsakh? Uh, I don't think that uh, the Western country, the West and other countries uh, are ready to recognize the Republic of Artsakh. And uh, I think they just will uh, use uh, uh, this, um, uh, this uh, factor for uh, their own interests. And they, uh, if uh, they want to get uh, some, uh, 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 something from Azerbaijan or Turkey, uh, as you know, uh, Turkey was directly involved in this conflict, and they also engaged a thousand uh, of um, mercenaries from the terrorist uh, organization from the Middle East, and it was done uh, with the direct support of Turkey. So uh, they uh, they are always with Azerbaijan and. Uh, the Western countries, if they want to uh, to um, be engaged in this regional politics, in this regional geopolitics, they should act. Uh, you, uh, but now we see that it is uh, the region is divided under uh, under influence of Russia and Turkey. Turkey has a full control uh, of Azerbaijan and even. Uh, uh, this war showed that uh, the military command was exercised by the Turkish command staff, not by the Azerbaijani one. So they have full control of this uh, uh, of Azerbaijan and uh, 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 via Azerbaijan and the territories that are now uh, uh, the territories of Artsakh now occupied by Azerbaijan and, and Russia. Uh, uh, Russia, uh, Russian military presence is uh, now in uh, in Artsakh, in, in South Caucasus region in whole. So, if West wants uh, to be engaged in this region, they should act. And how they can act? Uh, they can just um, uh, just um, uh, take uh, take these cards uh, to play. Like uh, we'll recognize Artsakh, but uh, I am not sure that we, they will then uh, will do this. I'm talking about the West acting. The Human Rights Watch is now inquiring into whether Azerbaijan has committed human rights violations against Armenian prisoners of war. Do you think that just calling out human rights violations is enough from the West, or do, do they need to do a lot more within the region? 
when we see that um, uh, human rights uh, organizations like uh, Human uh, Rights Watch and Amnesty International and others, uh, they uh, uh, artificially equalize the actions of the uh, conflicting part, uh, parties, we uh, uh, we. Uh, uh, we are very disappointed uh, on those uh, human uh, rights institutions and their reports. So uh, when, uh, uh, on the one hand, you have uh, uh, so many proofs and uh, recorded on the uh, in the videos uh, by Azerbaijanis themselves, uh, themselves that uh, how they um, uh, commit war crimes, how they uh, torture uh, both combatants and civilians, and they uh, uh, record the videos and then uh, circulate it in uh, social media. These uh, videos and these proofs and uh, these acts of, uh, and these committed acts of war crimes, uh, they didn't uh, find an adequate and proper response from these uh, human rights uh, institutions, human rights organizations. It, uh, uh, you know, you uh, you uh, you you don't uh, stop to believe in uh, the ideas of human rights, freedom, and so on. But uh, you think and you start believe that these uh, human rights uh, organizations uh, also were tools uh, for politics, for politicians to, uh, to govern the international opinion. So if you are a human rights organization, you should do your uh, job properly and uh, defend human rights, not to serve to the politics. Uh, we also have the cases when the Western politicians uh, that um, uh, who uh, uh, took bribes from Azerbaijani authorities, they ended up to the prison. And uh, the latest case was uh, related with an Italian MP. And we see how this ends uh, in the end. This must be really disheartening for the people of Artsakh and the people of Nagorno-Karabakh who have been so, so adversely affected by this conflict. What do you think lies in store in the future of the South Caucasus region? Do you think that there is going to be some sort of stability coming into the region soon? Or do you think Azerbaijan might still think of military action as a tool in their toolkit and continue trying to annex Artsakh? I think the uh, Azerbaijani goal is to conquer the whole Artsakh, the territory, and expel us from here. Uh, it uh, not uh, once showed that its intent is to uh, to take uh, the whole territory of Artsakh, and uh, they are not interested in the fates of people living here. And um, they are just saying, like, uh, go and live in your Armenia, in your Yerevan. Uh, what are you doing in our lands? But, you know, for example, me and my friends uh, that who were born in Artsakh, who uh, build their houses and live uh, for uh, generations in this land, we can just... Uh, uh, give up and say, okay, if Azerbaijan holds this territory, we should uh, give up and uh, uh, and start to live in other places, settlements of Armenia. 
but but I am sure they uh, they uh, for the future they have uh, this plan and they uh, their final purpose is to take the whole territory of Artsakh and expel all Armenians uh, living uh, here. Uh, so. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, even if Azerbaijani president declares that the conflict is over for Azerbaijan, I don't think that uh, conflict is over. The war is over. Um, uh, the military uh, actions are over, but the conflict is not solved yet. When one side of the conflict is not satisfied with the results, it can uh, this conflict cannot be solved and cannot be over. Uh, so uh, I don't say that um, we are going to retake our territories back to right now and so on and so on. But for us, for example, uh, my uh, native village, uh, Talish, it's a village in the northeastern part of uh, Artsakh, uh, now under occupation of Azerbaijani, uh, uh, of Azerbaijan. The Azerbaijani uh, armed forces uh, took this village uh, in September. And um, our house and uh, the graves of our grandmas, grandpas are there. So for me uh, personally, even personally, conflict is not solved. If my house is under occupation, if if my uh, I can't visit, uh, not uh, only live but even visit the graves of uh, my ancestors, I can't uh, uh, consider the conflict is over. That sounds actually quite distressing. What result do you think will Artsakh be satisfied with? At what point do you think that Nagorno-Karabakh will be happy and will say that the conflict is over for them? If I say that uh, Azerbaijanis should leave this region, uh, it will not be uh, uh, rational, at least. And I hope the Azerbaijanis also uh, come to the... Uh, to this idea that neither us nor them are going to leave this region and our homelands. So if they want to leave their homeland, if, if, want they, uh, if they want to live in Azerbaijan, I want to live in my homeland. So uh, for me, uh, the conflict can be solved when uh, uh, there is uh, no side that is not satisfied with, uh, with the result of the conflict uh, resolution. So uh, if they want to, uh, to live there in their homes, I want to live in my home. When uh, they take my home and they can, uh, uh, can allow themselves to buy uh, advanced drones, Turkish uh, the, uh, uh, directors and Israeli-made Arabs, they have money uh, for buying these kind of things and they can uh, take our homes and can, uh, take our villages and our churches and etc and right now we can do that it doesn't mean that uh, that they have rights and we have no rights so just they ha uh, they have the military advantage right now but it it also should not be an incident for uh, and the international community, I think, should uh, draw, uh, draw some uh, conclusion that military advantage uh, should not be used against human rights. Just one final question before I let you go, ma'am. 
Do you have any news sources or any books that you can recommend for us to read so that we can get ourselves acquainted and inform ourselves about the current situation in Nagorno-Karabakh? We have um, uh, local news agencies and we have uh, uh, that uh, covers also news in English. So it will be uh, will be convenient for you to follow this Artsakh Press. I can uh, send you some links and you can uh, follow these uh, media platforms for the future. Yes, please. And uh, I will definitely put the links to Artsakh Press and the other media links on the show notes for this episode itself. And I would also strongly encourage all of you to follow Ms. Gavalian on Twitter because she provides an incredibly up-to-date source of what's going on on the ground in Artsakh. For now, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your time, ma'am. This has been incredibly useful and eye-opening for me as well. Thank you so much, Mr. Kapoor, for inviting me uh, to uh, your matter file podcast so it was a pleasure to speak to you and your audience about my country and about the fate of people uh, living here thank you so much